Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm back! He's back. He's feeling well. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Excelsior! Let's all hope Stan Lee is not a litigious man who listens to Christian podcasts. <laughs> Hail Hydra. Joining us all the way from Ogre, Tennessee. <laughs> wow. One of the pastor Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. What's up, y'all? Glenn, you mentioned feeling better as people yeah. who listen every week uh, know you were a little under the weather last week. Let's That's do a right. status report. How are you feeling this week? Well, last week I was uh, hovering, uh, just barely clinging to life. Sure. One foot in the grave, one on a banana peel situation. Exactly right. Um, doctors had not determined what it was that I had. That was largely because I did not go to a doctor. Mm, wise choice. But you feel if they were properly motivated, they would have come to you. Yeah, I sort of self-diagnosed that I had probably <laughs> some kind of a, a bubonic plague. Sure, sure. That was kind of where I was, Makes sense. was coming in on that. You have the very rare 13th century version of WebMD. Pretty much all comes up plague. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, you got, I mean, because I knew for sure my humors were all out of balance. Sure. So I was like, you know what, I need to get me some leeches. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, you know, being from Chicago, you have a leech guy. Yeah, of got course, I got a leech. You gotta have a leech guy. You gotta, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I was very uh, near. Uh, I, I mean, like I was walking towards the light, y'all. Okay, sure. Okay, okay. wow. Uh, but you know what happened was, I just concentrated. Okay. Now I'm not sick anymore. Oh, you're saying that you willed away wow. your illness? Yeah, I just concentrated real hard. I'm like, uh. And then that was it. Okay. And okay. now I'm now I'm better now. I'm I'm still a little sick, but I'm mostly better now. Okay. Through concentration and focus. Do you is this something that you could like write a book about or bottle up or something hey, like look, that? Look, I wish I could. You understand what I'm saying? But you know, I think people out there, you know, they, you know, you had to figure it out for yourself, man. So you're kind of suggesting people have been made weak by their reliance on, you know, medicine and doctors and an immune system because what they should do is just grunt really hard and it's done. Well, it, you know what? If you're a dude like me, that's absolutely the case. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you you know. pulled your white, your white blood cells up by their bootstraps. Let me tell you what happened. Work. I got sick. Okay. Right. And that was, Period. that was like two weeks ago. And then I concentrated really right. hard on getting well. Right. Two weeks later, I'm a new man. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Now, that whole time, I was super sick. Right. Sure. But then now I'm well. Okay. So it's not like the normal course that a sickness exactly like you had would normally run in basically every human being. Right. Uh, this was different in that I concentrated, and then it was better. Right. Now, it wasn't better all at once, you understand, because you can't concentrate all at once. You concentrate a little at a time. Right. So. Sure. Gets better as every college student going through finals right now knows you can't concentrate all at once that's right so uh but uh, i'm mostly back um and that uh is a great relief to the people the minions if you will that we have working for us in the say that uh laboratories because as you know um we had a plan uh to uh, go ahead and download my brain right into a computer (laughs) right and then I could be in the computer. Right. You understand? Right. And it's what, um, I don't know. If, just running stuff. Just, you know what I mean? Cyberspace. And stuff. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. I, you know, you people talk about surfing the web. Right. Sure. Yes, we <laughs> I, do. Dude, I would, I was about to be surfing the web for real. You're going to go all William Gibson in this piece. <laughs> Let me tell you, you don't even know. Yeah. Okay. But is that, it? are you... Are you like healed to the point where that's now off the table? Well, I, you know what I think. Now that we've started the ball rolling, yeah, it's one of those things. I think you want to have that ready. Well, I mean, we yeah. built the whole lab space. We hired several people away from the CERN project. It's it's quite a boondoggle at this point. We might as well see it through. Well, I, you, I was, know what? you know, I was at the Salvation Army secondhand store yesterday and picked up a vintage 1998 EMAC. Right. Just for that exact purpose. Yeah. Nice. Absolute uh, your consciousness. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, 
feel like that's we can feel like that's more of an insult if you're giving it credit for it, Glenn. Um, so, but what you're saying is we should be ready to deploy this technology if something happens. Absolutely right. Um, Which, like, I, I mean, I feel like I've, I, that's. I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad you're feeling better because right. awesome to see you over the Skype and stuff like that. Right. The only thing is, like, I, I'm just gonna direct this towards Jed and Matt. Like, like, um, guys, like, does, does this mean like the the does this mean like technically the funerals off the table? I mean, like. Technically. Yeah, I mean, we we did have to call the you know the place you know and and let them know probably you know at least a little bit of delay, a couple of weeks. Dude, so. I had all my roast material ready to because a roast is the same thing as like a few. I mean, I was ready to go. Well, roast wake. I mean, you know, both fine options. But hey, wait a second, guys. I feel the need to declare an emergency. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, is this a wellness emergency? Let me tell you what right now. I feel I, so great it's an emergency. All this joking yeah. about my demise, Yeah. I find that in very poor taste. Uh, oh. let, me, okay. let, me, let me break this down for you. You right. find someone making jokes about your untimely death on the podcast to be crass and in poor taste. Correct, yeah. Are we going to ignore the... Um, <laughs> The four weeks in a row where our emergency was based on you riffing on certain aspects of Lee being swallowed by the earth and dying so you could get his stuff? Um, first of all, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I dump all that information from previous podcasts right out of my brain. Sure. Okay. So, as soon <laughs> as we finish <laughs> one, I, I just erase that and keep going. You sure. Know. So I have no recollection of that, and probably it didn't happen. Okay. Uh, if only there was some way to know for sure. Yeah. And, some recording. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to prove it, okay? Sure. So and then second of all, uh, this is totally different, okay? In what way? Well, in, well, first of all, it's me. <laughs> okay. I see. Uh, A lot of people would have tried to keep that the subtext and found another reason. <laughs> Glenn just goes right. right for it. Here's the thing. I don't know if you guys understand this, but this is just kind of a part of interpersonal relations. But what this is not that kind of podcast. Yeah. What when stuff happens to you, that's comedy. Okay. When it happens to me, that's tragedy. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's Smooth how mood. that's how life works, man. Sure. Sure. That's a so bit, we're not gonna. We're not gonna we're not gonna bandy about with double standards or anything. That you're just gonna lay it right. out there. That's correct. Period. So yeah. Where the old um, adage is comedy equals tragedy plus time. Yeah. You, your equation would be tragedy equals comedy plus Glenn. Right. Okay. Uh, and and uh, I think that's how it works for all of us. And you know what? Let me just say, I'm gonna say this right now. Yeah. Uh, when I die, eventually. Yeah. Probably of some plague-related thing, and I wasn't able to focus because I have to have conversations <laughs> like this. Sure, sure. Okay. When I have my brain downloaded into the internet, right? you people are all going to be sorry. Really? You know <laughs> I mean? Are you planning to digitally haunt us? Let me tell, are you going to be trolling our stuff? Let me tell you what. You're going to be like typing in credit card numbers, boom. That's mine now. You know what I'm saying? We know that kind of already happens, dude. Yeah. I mean that's that's not really a threat. Also, if your if your consciousness is one with the internet, why do you need to purchase things? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I was picturing more just you just popping up on random people's screens just with a disapproving look, going, "Why are you googling that?" Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think I could be doing that. I but you know you guys could you know you just be living your life and then I could show up on on your computer screen. And just look at you and say, really? Sure. <laughs> really? Sure. Is that the way you think? I, this way, I would pop up on your computer screen. You know what I'd say? Tell me. Is this how you want it to be when Jesus comes back? Wow. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Jesus juke. Sure. Nice, put the Jesus, I will put a Jesus juke on you. Sure. Sure. From, from the, the Uncle other, Glenn guilt app. That That's right. You know. Uncle Glenn will guilt you to success. <laughs> that's right. From the beyond. From the beyond. So that's, you know. Uh, so, you know, basically what we're dealing with is, uh, a lot of sickness concerns. Right. And, uh, you know, you know, will I be able to 
get onto the internet and because uh, already I'm pretty popular on there. Right. Sure. <laughs> and you don't even live there. Imagine if you live there. This is what I'm trying to say. Right. Well, if you're going to be if like if you're going to be cyber haunting. Right. Us. Right. Then as as a as like a, a worldwide ghost. Right. Is there some kind of is there are there some can we lay out some ground rules before we before you reach transcendence? I mean, is 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 there any is is there anything that we can determine right now as off limits? Well, no haunting between four and five in the afternoon. That's my time. Okay. 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 Here here's here's what you guys apparently have failed to to do the math on. When I'm in the in the internets, I mean I'm in the tubes of the internet. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> There's no stopping. Right. There's no there, there's no boundaries on sure. there. See what I'm saying? Like right There's no loafing. Yeah. Like right now, you say I want to look up Glenn's website, his blog. I'm gonna blog up on his blog of what's happening. <laughs> and you dial that up and you read it, and you know what happens? You get you get tired of reading that. Yeah. And you want to do something else, you move on. Yeah. Okay. That's allowed. Sure. Because what can I do? Right. But then. But then when I when I am in the internet, every website would be your blog. I mean, to every and you know you you're not done when you're finished reading. Yeah. You're done when I think you're finished reading. See right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I show it's like I'm visiting your house. Right. And I I, and I ain't leaving until I feel like it. Well, you know, I like I like the idea of you know visiting the house because you know with the growing concept of the Internet of Things, right. you could haunt the Nest thermostat. You right. gotta change the temperature in your house. Now it's the Uncle Glenn blog. There you go. Sure. Gotta turn on your light bulb. Nope, just the Uncle Glenn blob. Everywhere you go, right. your microwave, right. Uncle Glenn. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how right. that's how you get the people right the, there. So you know, um, it's the ubiquitous Glenn. I, <laughs> Indeed, it is. I think what we need to do is be a little bit nicer to the little man. That's the important thing. <laughs> you think that's the real, just where it really needs to be. That's that appears to be the bottom line. Okay, well, Glenn, we're, we need to wrap this up, but I just real quick, in the sense of helping the people who don't have the option of uploading their consciousness to the internet, right? Via owning a secret underground laboratory for a right, podcast right, right. that they do. Yeah. Um, do you have any other health tips? You yeah. concentrated. Was there anything that helped your concentration? Any home remedies you can give the people? Yeah. Obviously, you both named it and claimed it, which is very important. Sure. But anything sure. more in that process? Well, um, uh, the short answer is no. The okay. slightly longer answer is, for a short time, I considered an actual home remedy from my actual family. Uh, <laughs> pe people who listen to this podcast may or may not remember that my mother's family is from Louisiana, and uh, Louisiana... Uh, has a very unique culture all its own, and that's the the Cajun people of Louisiana. Uh, and would be uh, imagine if you've seen Duck Dynasty. Now imagine it without all the fake sincerity and hijinks. Yeah, it's it, it's um, uh, it's that with voodoo, sure. essentially. <laughs> so, oh, that's a Caesar Duck Dynasty. I would watch. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have an uncle who has uh, been uh, struggling with arthritis, you know, and that's can be a tough thing. And a lot of uh, things affect that humidity and temperature. A lot of things. Yeah, exactly account. right. I mean, you just you're you're trying to deal with a lot and trying to get that under control. And he tried a few different kind of store bought medicines, didn't work. So he showed me. He said he got a cure that's working perfectly. And did I want to see it in? I said, sure. So he went to his refrigerator and pulled out a mason jar. Of course. Uh, that had um, white grapes, uh, which are weird looking when you really yeah, think about it. Yeah, it's not the way grapes, grapes should be either green or red, not white. Yeah, you know, they look like something that's dyed and shriveled, you know. Uh, he had white grapes in the mason jar floating in some mystery liquid. Sure. And that really didn't look, you know, like a good idea. And he got a big spoon out of the drawer and started spooning these white raisins and the liquid out of the mason jar and then eating it by the okay. spoon. Whoa. And so I'm guessing the real magic of this remedy was in that mystery liquid. The mystery liquid, which was, of course, gin. <laughs> <laughs> so his, his arthritis remedy... 
was a mason jar full of gin and raisins. Yes. Yeah. Um, I explained to my uncle that remedy actually works on most things in life. It's not really a remedy so much as a distraction. Yeah. If if you eventually keep going with that, you'll discover you don't you don't mind anything sure. in life. You know, you may wake up with more problems than you started with later, but you know this is. Uh, this is not a new remedy, but uh, you but know. a very southern brand of thinking. In if I just take gin, but add fruit, right? Surely that will unlock some that, kind that, of secret. Yeah, that makes remedy. it medicinal, and yeah, <laughs> no, that's. Uh, so it, we're saying that we would advise against that. Actually, yeah, yeah, you can imagine the tortured logic, but as a practical, people at home want to know, as a practical thing. If I can't download my body into the internet, what do sure. I do? If I can't be that practical, what do I do? Yeah, it's just, for most people, that's not a feasible thing. But you know what? Go out, buy yourself a robot, download your brain into Android brain. Okay. Uh, you start with a Roomba. Exactly nice right. And simple. Down, down, yeah. Download yourself right into the Roomba. I think the thing that's helpful about this show is just the practical application that they Absolutely that, right. the, that the listeners get. Absolutely right. That's what people appreciate. And, and uh, you know what? Uh, uh, get yourself into a Roomba. You, you'll be around for, you know, uh, at least as long as the manufacturer warranty on that Roomba. Sure. <laughs> and so uh, on that basis, I declare an emergency off. Nice. I think I don't think you could give more practical health advice than that. Well, there you go. We're we're just here to help. Sure, absolutely. We just we just want to give you real things you can handle. All right. If you wonder how we got the money for the secret underground laboratory that allows <coughs> Glenn's consciousness to live on in eternity, that was of course Bridgebox. Now there are other things we do with Bridgebox money. We uh, we help people. We uh, get kid. We get folks to job placement centers. We help people with homelessness. We uh, help kids with school funds in the neighborhoods here in Chicago. Lots of good stuff that we are only able to do because folks like you support Bridgebox. If you want to do that, it's $8 a month. You get songs, sermons, uh, writings, a bunch of cool stuff that ministers to you. And the $8 a month allows us to minister to people here in the city. That's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. You can also sign up for the very special Lee Younger brand of Bridgebox, which is a new song from Lee every month. Um, a behind-the-scenes video, chord charts and stuff, and some stuff he's handpicked from other bridge boxes on a similar topic. Find that at missionusa.com slash bbly, or you can email me, matt, at missionusa.com to get the super-secret link to get both of those for only $12. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I will give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, I recently went back to visit my hometown where I went to college, and some of my friends there introduced me to this girl who I really like. The problem is that I'm a thousand miles away. Is that I'm a thousand miles away where I currently live and work, and I don't know if it's right or wise to tell her that I like her and try to start a long distance relationship, especially since I currently have no plans to move back home. Should I give it up and date locally, or try and make this long distance relationship work? Lee, can you kick us off? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I like that you say I don't know if it's right or wise, and those things are. Uh, th- those things can sometimes be the same thing. They're not necessarily the same thing. A situation like this, I think it would be difficult to demonstrate if it was black and white, right or wrong. And uh, and, and the wisdom in it really depends on your situation. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is this. Uh, can you sleep at night or are you waking up in cold sweats just thinking about this girl all the time? Um, can you concentrate on school or are you just wishing that you could figure out wh- whether or not this relationship's going to work. The the thing on this is, the real question is, do you want to go for it or not? Um, that's that's really kind of where this thing comes down is, uh, I can tell you from experience that a long day, a long distance dating relationship is very, very difficult. Now, the difference is that when I had a long distance dating relationship, it was uh, back in the late 90s and early 2000s before... We did, you know, before everybody had cell phones and in a time when phones had cords. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. They had to be plugged in to something at the time that you were using it, and uh, you know, it was it was it was a different deal. Uh, my wife and I dated long distance. Uh, we were not a thousand miles apart. We were, but we were uh, a few hundred miles apart, and 
uh, we didn't have, you know, Skype and FaceTime and texting and, you know, we didn't have all these things. We, we did get to email and we had a telephone that was, like Matt said, plugged into the wall and you had to stay within a reasonable distance to that wall. Um, but it, so it was a whole different thing. But I can tell you that it's it's a very difficult deal. We made it work, and we eventually moved. You know, I moved to the same town where my wife was, and we got married. But uh, look, I, I'm I'm going to shoot you straight. Dating long distance is difficult. Uh, it, really, uh, I, I'm going to steal a line from Glenn here. Uh, I, I was talking to Glenn about this one relationship, and he said, you know, somebody wants to know whether or not this is a good idea. It's almost basically never a good idea for <coughs> any particular guy to get together with any particular girl. It's up to you to make it a good idea. And um, and so that's that's kind of really the question here is, are you are, are you going to try to, are you going to figure out what it would take for this to be a good idea? I mean, if if all you can think about is whether or not it would work with this girl, then my advice would be like, Take a swing on this thing, man. Give it a try. I mean, you may, you may, you might find out it is not going to work at all, and uh, and we we gave it a shot, and now we know. Um, and that's kind of the worst thing that can happen on that. And then you realize, I really can't make that work. On the other hand, you know, I've got a friend right now who has been deployed to overseas <coughs> with the military, and he's you know when he's on the uh, when he's on the front operations base he's able to FaceTime with his wife and his son and his daughter I mean this you know this is a different time and so long distance dating long distance relationships there's there's some things about that whole situation that have gotten a whole lot easier so it might you might find that you can you can do it uh, and that you can make that thing work but whether or not you know to me the biggest question is is this the only thing you can think about because if so you might as well take a swing man but if it's like I don't really know I, I wonder if it could work, but then you should know it is going to be very difficult. It's going to be a very hard thing to make this thing work. Um, and so it's really up to you about whether or not it you can make it a good idea. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah. I'm going to come right in uh, where Lee left off, especially since he was stealing my points from things I've said earlier. Thank you, sir. Uh, well, I, I was going to say, if you did, if something happened to you and you did reach an early demise... Uh -huh. We would stop giving you credit. We just keep stealing, <laughs> and that's not funny. And, that, uh, <laughs> and by we would stop giving you credit, Lee means he would stop giving you credit because Jed and I don't in the first place. Yeah, you, yeah, that's also true. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, it, it, as Lee was saying there, that you know all these relationships are are bad ideas. It's you know you, there's uh, two people from two different worlds. Uh, you're from the you know uh, one planet, and he's from the other planet, and uh, uh, or, or she's from the other planet. That's uh, we have to acknowledge. This it's a tough thing to make any relationship work. So uh, we're we're. I want us to get away from this idea of looking for the relationship where it all falls into place on its own. You know, this idea of, I want to find a perfect match where we're just so in sync that everything just flows and it's all just smooth and we never have arguments or confrontations or problems or discussions or any kind of conflict. And that's what a great relationship is. Uh, this does not exist in life. Uh, this is not how human relationships work. This is not th how things work between uh, men and women. Uh, all relationships take uh, a great deal of work to to work out. Yes, by making it long distance on that one issue, you are giving yourself a lot more work. Uh, the the distance creates stress. It reduces a certain amount of intimacy because you're not physically there in the same space. You can compensate for that, as Lee is pointing out, and I think that's uh, you know it's if if you're smart about it, you can handle that challenge in such a way that that sort of closes the gap and makes that less of a detriment but the truth is you're going to have a number of things that are that are minuses to that relationship another a number of things that make it difficult to overcome things that might be personal things it might be distance it might be schedule uh, it might be you know the the kind of uh, hobbies that you have or things you have in common or not uh, and you're going to have several things that are pluses, things that, are, that help that relationship go. Uh, but what you're looking for is a situation where we can manage those minuses and we, where we can uh, make this relationship uh, work. So I think the real question is, 
finding out whether this gal is the kind of gal that you want to put this work into. Uh, uh, finding out whether this kind of a guy is a, is a guy that you want to put this kind of work into. The only way to do that is enter into some kind of a relationship, even if it's just talking uh, through Skype or something like that, where you're just getting to know each other long distance or whatever that may be. But I think it's worth checking out. If your friends are recommending her, you know, maybe they know uh, what it is you're looking for better than you would. Uh, get to know the gal, get, get a little bit of a relationship going. And from that determine, is this the kind of thing where I'm ready to make an investment, I'm ready to deal with these challenges, uh, or is this a situation where I think we don't have enough in common, I don't think we would be compatible enough for this to work just on its own, and then you add the long distance to that, that might be the thing that takes it out. So I think uh, investigation, getting to know each other, getting engaged in that is the best way to do that. And I think you get a certain amount of, uh, advice that goes the other way of don't you know don't date unless you're ready to marry that person tomorrow kind of nonsense and uh what we're talking about here is get that information so you know whether or not that commitment makes sense totally Jed. um all really good stuff uh, i want to kind of broaden this out to uh people other than the person who asked the question and particularly people that are new to dating altogether um, you know, a lot of the information, a lot of the advice that you're hearing from Glenn and Lee is based on the idea of trying to find out if the person you're dealing with is someone that you want to make a, a significant investment in and, and how do you do that. And it's really good advice. If you're brand new to dating and you're basically just trying to figure out how does this work and, you know, how would I, you know, begin to go with that, a long-term relationship, uh, not long-term, a long-distance relationship is probably not what you want. If you're brand new to the world of dating and you're just trying to kind of put yourself out there, some Something that we see a certain amount of is folks almost using kind of long-distance internet-based dating relationships as a way to avoid a lot of the vulnerability that goes with typical dating relationships. Now, again, if you kind of know how dating works and you've met someone that you're super, super serious about and this is kind of the way it has to be, that's fine. That's no problem. But if you're, particularly if you're a younger person, you're brand new to dating, I would really encourage you to um, to date locally and, and people where it's face-to-face, where you're sitting together in the coffee shop, getting to know each other, figuring out what makes each other tick. And it should be scary. It should be vulnerable. One of the things that should be a little bit of a of a warning sign is if you've found a way to approach romance that feels entirely risk-free. It doesn't really involve any vulnerability on your part. It doesn't really involve any putting yourself out there. You may be missing something. Um, uh, dating is meant to be something that challenges you a little bit on the vulnerability front. That's, that's actually part of the process. Uh, so, again, if you're brand new to dating, if that's not something you've really done before, uh, I think all of us would encourage you to not go the internet um, relationship route. Now, let me be super, super clear, because I know it can be easy to get confused on this. That's different from using an internet-based service to find someone where you are to date. Those are two different things. Um, we know a lot of people that have used services like an eHarmony and had great success with it. Those are actually really, really good ways to find people where you live that are interested in casual dating. Um, uh, you, you don't have to wonder whether or not they're interested in dating. That's why they're on that site. Those can be great services. What we're talking about is deciding that you have a pen pal that you talk to via the internet, and that will be your boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, that, that's actually not a good place to start. You know, if you're new to dating, find someone uh, right there where you are. That would be a much better way to go. It's all great stuff. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. It also came in anonymously at our Tumblr. It says, my boyfriend just told me his first memory is his older brother molesting him at age four. His brother was quite a bit older. It went on for a few years until his brother went away to school. My boyfriend told him to stop and told their parents also, but nothing was done to protect him. He says it's something that happened, but he doesn't see it as very significant. He and his brother have never talked about it. And now when I'm with his family, I act the same, but I feel so much anger that no one there protected him. How do I react to this? Glenn, he starts off. Well, first of all, it's important for you uh, to know that, that we're praying for you and your boyfriend. Uh, I know that your, your boyfriend has... Uh, uh, he, he will realize at, at some point this has affected him a little more than maybe he thinks it has. 
and I know at the same time it's already a bit of a shock for you to deal with. You figure this is a, a good guy with a, a good set of parents, and you're discovering that a big part of his his childhood was a living hell, and these good Christian parents were sitting around uh, doing nothing about it. Uh, so uh, that's number one. The second thing is let's define what we're looking at here so that we're clear, so we can define terms. Uh, what you're looking at is a severe dysfunctional behavior on the part of the older brother. This is profound mental illness. This is also, again, defining terms, uh, a person who's old enough, according to uh, some of the details that Matt was not reading off here, uh, this is a guy who's old enough to know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And that makes a big deal in this situation. To be clear, this isn't about two young kids kind of not knowing what boundaries are and kind of exploring right. things. That's a very different thing because that happens. Sure. And that's not a huge deal if you can catch that in time and tell those kids, you know, this is not because that happens. Sure. Your kid, young people do that. Uh, this is someone who's old enough to know not to do this. This is an abusive thing. It's an abuse, clearly an abusive thing. And uh, and it should be clear in your in your boyfriend's mind, he was too young to know right from wrong on that. So um, so he's not in a position of accepting any kind of a blame for this uh, as far as that goes. Uh, this is illegal, profoundly illegal behavior, yeah. and it's illegal for a reason. Um, uh, I have worked with many, many individuals who've been arrested for this sort of thing. So, uh, uh, and, and juveniles that have yeah. been arrested for this sort of thing. So um, uh, there's that almost 100% of the time uh, that is because the person perpetrating this crime of uh, sexual abuse, uh, in this case you'd call that statutory rape, uh, is doing that because they have been a victim themselves. Yep. We don't want to speculate on who maybe had done that to them, uh, but um, uh, it's worth uh, uh, asking that question, I think, at some point of how did this happen. You are also absolutely correct to put uh, the onus on the family. Now, here's the thing. If your boyfriend goes to the family and says, um, once, you know, my brother touched me in a private area and I told him to stop and he didn't. <coughs> well, that might be the kind of thing that you say, well, maybe that was just kids wrestling around and whatever and he's exaggerating trying to get attention if your young child comes to you two three four times over time and says this is a persistent thing you need to deal with that right away with the, yes. a profound speed and intensity and severity uh, it's absolutely essential that you protect your child from that kind of thing um, when you're talking about uh, I'm just doing the math. Again, this is sort of a part of this that Matt wasn't reading off. But you're looking at maybe three or four years worth of this taking place. Uh, if you're mentioning anything over that course of a time to your parents and they're not responding, uh, the, you, you are right as the girlfriend to look at the parents as being profoundly irresponsible mm -hmm. on this thing. Uh, and again, that's assuming that they heard... Uh, about that two or three or four times over time to where they, they recognize this isn't just a one-off thing. Um, the next thing that you need to know, psychologically speaking, uh, the effects of this will be felt. Um, this is not a, 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 a sort of a no big deal kind of thing. And along those lines, this will come out. This will not, it's under the rug now. And, and it's, and I'm sure your, your boyfriend feels a certain comfort that it's under the rug right now. And that's fine. And maybe that's what he needs right now is for this to not be a big deal right now. What you need to know is that won't last. Absolutely impossible. Imagine you get married to this guy and you have children. You're not going to allow your children to be around their uncle. Yeah. Uh, you may not be comfortable with your children being around their grandparents. Yeah. And they're going to ask you why, and you're going to say, these are my children, I'm going to raise them better than you raised yours, because you had some awful, 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 abusive, illegal, 
profoundly wrong stuff happening under your roof and you didn't do anything to fix it, well, I'm going to do something to fix it. I'm going to fix it right here and right now. It's coming out. Yeah. And given that, what I would suggest is that you and your boyfriend really sit down and talk about when, where, and how you want that to come out. You don't want that to come out uh, at a point of high stress or something like that. You don't want it to come out all in the wrong time, the wrong place or whatever. And you don't, and you maybe don't want it to come out for a little while. You, you may want to really talk through this, deal with it, maybe talk to a counselor, wrestle with it a bit, uh, really examine how you feel about it, and then get to a point of, of talk, sitting down with the family, sitting down with the brother, and saying, here's unfinished business that we have, and we want to make sure that, that this is dealt with, whatever. So I'm, I'm just sort of laying the groundwork for the rest of these guys to, to kind of uh, uh, build on, but uh, these are the things that are absolutely known about the situation that we can't ignore. Uh, but I'll let these other guys uh, build from there. Absolutely. Jed? Uh, well, uh, offer one quick thing as it pertains to this specific situation, and that is um, kind of the denial-type behavior that you're seeing with the parents, just kind of pretending it's not going on, not addressing it. Unfortunately, that's really common. Um, right. You know, and um, uh, we we can't speculate because um, we don't know the people involved. But as Glenn said, sometimes that's happening because um, the the people denying anything's going on have done really awful stuff that helped set all this off to begin with, um, or were um, party to that. But right. that kind of denial of just oh no, there's no problem, nothing's happening. That's unfortunately very common. Right. Um, just so you're aware, uh, the thing that we really really encourage you in this specific case is um, the contact Glenn um, via his Tumblr. He'd love to talk with you more specifics on this. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff where we we can't quite comment without knowing a bit more about your situation. Here's what we can say, though, is um, and this goes not just for people where um, they have a history or their loved ones have a history of sexual abuse, but this goes for, for almost everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, this is obviously you know, a, a case of extreme, terrible, abusive behavior, but the odds are very high that when you have a serious romantic relationship, certainly when you get married, you're going to discover in um, the uh, life of your significant other that awful crap has occurred in their life and their family should have done something and didn't. And what do yeah. we do now? Um, we hope and pray that it won't be as terrible as this, um, but there will be something, almost certainly. This is the truth, is that we all have these ideas about big, happy families where everybody gets along and everything's great. Um, I can tell you I've never met one. Uh, I, I have never in my life actually met a truly happy family where everything is wonderful and everybody gets along and everything is great. Because um, they're filled with humans. Because I mean. they're filled with human beings. Um, and there's and there's problems and there's issues. And unfortunately, um, you know, uh, um, bad stuff happens and doesn't get addressed. And so what do we do with that? So because for everyone, you're going to be dating someone and there's going to be some revelation about something, you know, from their growing up years. And you're going to look at them and go, are you kidding me? Right. Um, holy cow. And yeah. I, I feel confident I can speak for all of us on the podcast. All of us have experienced that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So what do we do with that in this moment? Well, I, I want to offer a couple ideas. The first is we can't change the past. Um, we can't go back and undo the things that have occurred, but we can change the future. And that's what we want to be focused on is how it's going to be different now, how we're going to This is a new day moving forward. It's not going to be this way anymore. And that requires a few things. The first thing that it requires, and this is an odd thing, and Christians of all people have a lot of trouble getting their brains around this. But when you get married, and, and this is really true in the run-up to marriage, when you're very seriously dating, when you're engaged, your allegiance and your loyalty is to your spouse. It is not to the people you grew up around. Let me say that again, because this is incredibly important. Your allegiance as a married person is to your spouse. It is not to the people that you grew up around. Christians have a really hard time wrapping their brains around you, that. You leave your family and you're united with your wife. That's Ex the Bible, right? Exactly there. right. You leave them behind. Now, part of what that means is your spouse is going to reflect back to you the behavior you're describing to me 
is crazy. Yes. It is wrong. It yes. is unacceptable. It is unchristian. And I kind of want to go get a baseball bat and do something about it right now. Right. Your spouse is going to communicate that idea to you at some point. Now, in that moment, you're going to have a choice. And that choice is... Um, Let's keep going. In that moment, you're going to have a choice. And that choice is, do I go with what my spouse is saying here or do I say, oh, no, you don't you don't know my family the way I know them. Right. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're not so bad. You, you don't you don't don't try and campaign for it to go the other way. You know. you know, you just got to get to know them better. Yeah, that ain't it. dude. In that moment, you need to you need to go with your spouse. And, and in fact, mm-hmm. when you get married, you know, and you're talking about forsaking all others. That that means all others. Mm-hmm. That means this this person comes first. So that's that's thing one is you want to get to a place and you have to build this trust. This isn't something that you should apply right. if they haven't earned it. But um, as your spouse builds that trust, you need to trust them when they say the way your family has treated you is uncool and un and not okay and it cannot go on any further. Uh, that's thing one is we need to choose or trust our spouse. The second thing, and again, this is trust we build over time, is to recognize that we are going to face this issue, whatever it is, as a team moving forward. It's it's us against the world. It's not, you know, if you got, you know, John and Sally, it's not John has his problems and we got to sort those problems out. It's John and Sally's problems, period. The end. Yeah. There, there are no John's problems. There are no Sally's problems. There are only our problems together Amen. that we solve as a team moving forward. And this is this is the thing. And this will this will sound weird. If you mess with one part of the team, you mess with all the team. Right. Now, that, right. that may sound unchristian, but let me break down what I mean. Um, if um, you know, you've been weird and uncool and, and nasty to John for years and years and years, now you're not just messing with John, you're messing with John and Sally. If you continue to be nasty to John, Sally's going to come after you for it. That's mm-hmm. the way, because this is a team. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. That's, that's how this works. Um, now, people in that moment, they will reflect back to you, that doesn't sound very Christian. That... You know, you could, you know, Christians are supposed to forgive, Glenn. Don't you know that? Right, right, right. They're supposed to be just loving and forgiving. And by that, I mean you should let me do whatever I want to you exactly right, all yeah. the time. Right, right. And part of what your spouse is going to be reflecting back to you is, no, that's not forgiveness. Right, Have right. they asked you for forgiveness? Right. Yeah, these parents are not uh, repenting at all right now. So I think that's the, the place that I would start us is to recognize, you know, even if this kind of, you know, quite extreme stuff is not a part of your significant other's history, something will be. And we're going to have to know how do we deal with that stuff, um, you know, now as a Christian married couple. And that's going to be a trust-based relationship where we – it's going to start anyway with being a trust-based relationship where we trust our spouse over our relatives when they tell us something is a problem. And then we're a team together where we solve these problems. We're not trying to solve them in isolation, but we're working together to overcome these obstacles. Absolutely, Lee. Amen. Well, I, I'm totally on board with – with everything that these guys said, I especially want to encourage you to take uh, Jed up on the offer that he he suggested of getting in touch with with Glenn, get in touch with people who know what they're talking about on this thing and and who are willing to help you. Um, um, in that vein, the I, I think the only thing that I really have left to say on this, uh, aside from echoing these guys and saying we're so so sorry that um, that this just that this happened. Um, but Jed's exactly right. You know, the more you get to know people, the more stuff you find out. Um, that's a huge part of, you know, I mean, I I was told when I first became a pastor, this is going to be a huge part of your job. You're going to be finding out a lot of stuff about people that you never would have imagined. And it has been a huge part of my job. And, And the more you get to know people, the more you find this stuff out. So, uh, where do you go from here? I, I think, um, I would encourage you to find either a pastor who knows what they're talking about, who you uh, you trust them, you you trust their walk with the Lord, or a counselor that you can talk to, and basically that you can just you can air this stuff out. I mean, you, what you're going through right now is a, is a form of trauma related to this situation related to this situation that happened a long time ago it's now affecting you and now you have all these questions about what's my responsibility in this how am i supposed to treat this family we're we're not engaged yet or we're not married yet or whatever and so what what am i supposed to do here and uh you need somebody to talk to um it it would be 
you know, it, it would behoove you to, to have a counselor that you can talk to to say, okay, let's say that my boyfriend gets to the place where he's ready to talk about this. Um, what, what do I need to be ready for? What are going to be the ramifications of this thing that happened to him? How am I, you know, how do I... You know, how can I best support him? What are, when people have been through uh, situations of of sexual abuse, what are the most supportive things that we can that that I can do yeah. in that situation? So, how can I how can I take care of him when he gets ready to open up and talk about this? And ask the Lord to help you uh, open up the conversation about him getting into a counseling situation because these guys are exactly right. This thing is going to affect him far more deeply than he anticipates. And um, it would be a great idea to go ahead and have an idea of what might I be facing and how can I best support him in this? That's a great point. You've heard a lot of great stuff. A couple of things I will tack onto the end of this. One is just in uh, relation to how you should be communicating with your boyfriend about this, what you can do to support him. One important thing is to point out something you should not do because you can't do it, and that's you can't really poke him to come to terms with this on an advanced timetable. Yeah, right. This is a big deal. He's going to come to it, as all these guys have pointed out. It will come to a head eventually, but that's going to have to be on his time. And as much as it, you know it is a big deal, it's not acceptable to you, and you're right to feel all those things, you can't make him feel those. Because as freaked out as this makes you about him and his family and his brother, imagine how freaked out it makes him. He kind of has to go back in his mind and totally reevaluate the way in which he sees his childhood and his family and some things about himself in that way. And that's not a small thing. And if you're listening to this and you are a survivor of abuse and you've done that, we applaud you for that. That's not a small thing. It's a serious thing and it takes a lot of courage to do. So, But you can't really poke him into doing that as if it were a small thing. What you can do is make it abundantly clear that, as Lee is saying, when he's ready to be there, you'll be ready to do that as well. Yeah. I'm also going to... As we've all said, getting in touch with uh, Glenn is a great idea. He's got a lot of experience counseling people through this. Getting in touch with uh, a pastor or whatever. One Another place I'll steer you is an organization called RAIN. That's the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network that's here in America. But I think they probably have some international um, branches. But that's R-A-I-N-N.org. And that's kind of the biggest national American network of counselors. They have a 24-hour support line. There's a lot of good stuff there. And uh, for you, there are a lot of support groups, obviously, for survivors of abuse. There are there are fewer, but if you're living in a barrier, there might be some. There are groups for people who a loved one was abused in the way that there's Alcoholics Anonymous for an alcoholic. There's something called Al-Anon for children of alcoholics, relatives of alcoholics. There are people going through specifically what you're going through as far as someone who has a loved one who's abused, too. And there may be some resources for that. But org is a great place to at least start out seeing what resources are out there for you on that. All right, we're going to jump to our final question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, Pride is something that I struggle with deeply sometimes. Sometimes I find myself doing things and obeying God's commandments, but also with a hint of pride behind them. For example... When I serve the homeless, I honestly do care, but there are times in the back of my mind when I think, I hope someone is watching this and congratulates me for it. When I write blog posts, I want to get likes and reblogs. When I pray for others, I want my prayers to sound awesome. Should I stop doing all these things, or how do I deal with this? Jay, can you start us off? Well, my friend, thank you for writing us. We, we appreciate you writing in. I really appreciate your honesty. Um, it takes a, a lot of courage and a lot of uh, you know strength to just be real about, here's what I'm dealing with. I don't know that pride is exactly the right word for, for what you're dealing with, but I, I think we'll figure out the word soon enough. So let me ask you kind of a diagnostic question. I have no doubt that every once in a while you pray a prayer, and it does sound pretty awesome, that you write a post online and it gets some likes and blogs, that you do something and uh, somebody pats you on the back and tells you how great you are. And my question for you, the thing I want you to, to think about is this. Does it work? Hello. In other words, when, when you get that thing that you're aiming for, does it actually move the needle? Or do you explain it away? Um, do, you, yeah. do you find a way to kind of not really pay attention to it? Yeah. Let me ask you a follow-up question. And I ask that because I have a suspicion that's what's going on for you. Um, let me ask you a follow-up question, and that's this, is what would it take for you to say, that's enough? In other words, I want you to imagine in your brain a scenario where you pray a prayer so awesome 
that you never have to worry about that ever again. Where you write a post that gets so many likes and reblogs that you never have to worry about that again. And where you serve homeless people and then you get congratulated so strongly and so vigorously that you can just let that go forever. You never have to worry about it again. I want you to try and think about that for a second. And I think what you're going to find is that you can't imagine that ever happening. You, you can't imagine something that would say, you know what, I think I've been congratulated enough. I think, I'm, I think I'm awesome enough. If that's the case, and I strongly suspect it is, then actually what you're dealing with is what we would call an insecurity. Um, it's, it's not exactly, exactly pride. And by the way, I think if you're struggling with pride, I don't think you would have written us this question. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a proud person wouldn't admit they have a problem, um, and right. y- you don't have an issue doing that. So I think what you have here is an insecurity. Here's, here's a loose definition of uh, an insecurity is a question that by its nature can never be answered. Let me repeat that. A loose definition of an insecurity is a question that by its nature cannot be answered. So one example would be, can I as an ugly person ever be attractive? That's an example of an insecurity. You can see where there's there's kind of really no way to answer that. Yeah. Um, well, I probably know if you're ugly, you, you couldn't be attractive. And if, if you were attractive, you then you wouldn't be ugly anymore. So I think you're just screwed. I think that's where you're at. Um, and I think for you, maybe that unanswerable question is, can I as a person who sucks ever be good enough? Well, um, no, because either you are good enough and therefore you don't suck or you suck and therefore you're not good enough. So what your brain and maybe the devil have presented you with is a situation where no matter what you do, you can't win. No matter what you do, uh, you can't make any forward progress. So what do we do with that? I think there's a couple things that we want to look at there. Uh, I'm going to give you two real quick things before I hand it over to these other brothers. The first thing that we want to do is we want to recognize that that is what we're dealing with, that we're dealing with a uh, an unanswerable question. We're dealing with a hunger that can't be satisfied. Right. We're dealing with something where no matter how much input you get, no matter how many times people tell you, man, you're awesome, man, you're amazing, no matter how many times that happens, you you will not consider that an answered question in your brain. Uh, that's that's thing one that we need to know. And here's why that's so important is because th- given that we know that, there's no sense trying to chase it. Um, since we can't possibly win at that game, there's no sense trying to play it. What that means is we need to change the channel entirely. We need to reorient our time and our attention onto something that does not relate to trying to answer this question of do I suck, do I not suck. And I'd like to give you a quick suggestion on that before I pass it on to these other brothers. One of, and there are a few strategies, but one very effective strategy for dealing with insecurity is to give away to other people the thing that you covet for yourself. So here, if, if you'll allow me to be bold, I think what you're dealing with is that you want desperately a sense of acceptance for yourself. You, you want desperately a sense of um, uh, belonging and inclusion, your place at the table, a sense of knowing what you're good at, knowing that you're valued, knowing that you are, um, uh, uh, yeah, that you're valued, that, that people really see what you bring to the table and they, they think it's important and that it matters. So what I would encourage you to do is to start taking steps to give that to other people. Find people that need encouragement. Find people that need validation. Find people that need a sense of acceptance and belonging and knowing that they're valued and give that to them. Um, go to them, and when you see, you know, if you're involved with like a campus fellowship kind of thing, and you see somebody put away chairs, thank them for it, praise them for it, tell them, dude, you have such a servant's heart. I am so thankful for you coming out here. I know you, you know, you're a busy guy like everybody else, but taking the time and the work, carry this stuff around, being humble about it, being cool about it. I see what you're doing, and I appreciate it. Two things will happen there. First is it'll make that person's weak. I mean, their their feet aren't going to touch the ground. The second is that's going to loosen the grip of that insecurity in your brain, yeah. Because um, you're 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 starving it out in that moment. Find people that are doing without encouragement and validation and being valued, and give that to them. Give away that thing that you covet. That's going to start to loosen that hold of that insecurity, and these brothers can give you some good follow up steps. Absolutely, Lee. 
I love that stuff right there. And the, the thing, the next place that I would take this to is that you need to allow yourself to be good at stuff. Yeah. Um, you need to go ahead and look at some of the things that you do and say, you know what? That was, that was good. Like I, I pulled that off. Um, and, and here's the cool thing is that that's a biblical thing. I mean, the, the, the Bible says that when people accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives them a gift to be able to do something. They're, they have like a superpower for the, to, to propel the kingdom of God forward in some way. Uh, that's a promise. If you know Jesus, there's something that you have that nobody else has quite in the same way that you have. God has made you to do this thing. And when you do that thing, it's awesome and it's good and God loves it. Amen. And so it's good for you to be able to, it's good for you to be able to do the thing that you were made to do to serve the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. That doesn't mean it won't be uh, confusing at times. That doesn't mean you won't be discouraged at times. But it does mean that there's something that, that in some way it, it gives you life. It's, it, it works. You can pull it off. You can do that thing. You know in some way, like, I was kind of made to do this thing. And you do it, and then you should be able to stand back, look at that thing, and go, that was pretty dang good right there. And then walk away from it. Yeah. Here's the deal, is where we get stuck, and especially where we get stuck in insecurity is... We, I think that even sometimes as Christians, we can look at something and we, and we actually know it was pretty good. Like I, I did that and I actually did that pretty well. Lee, Lee, then, Lee it, yeah. it wasn't me. It was the Lord, please. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Yeah. And then what we Which did just is... reinforces that I'm the Lord's favorite. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly you. right. I mean, he yeah, could have exactly. done it through you, but he did it through me, but I'm going to be humble about it. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that like, we, you know, we, we look at it, we know inside our hearts that I did that well. And then just to make sure, and I, the reason, if it sounds like I know this territory well, it's because I do. Um, then we turn around to somebody else and say, was that okay? Was that okay? When we know it was, but we just want to know, did somebody else see it? Did somebody else think it was okay? Yep. Because yep. we're we're so afraid of just being able to say, you know what, that was good. Now I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna walk down the road to the next thing. Um, here's the thing. There's a uh, there's this. There, we've talked about this book before, but C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Screw Tape Letters, and he talks about um, it's where this one demon is writing letters to this other demon on how to tempt this guy or whatever. And he's talking about insecurity and uh, this thing that Christians have a lot, which is false humility, which is what Jed just gave you a beautiful example of a second ago. And he says this thing. He says, the way that Jesus wants it is that the greatest architect in the world could design the greatest cathedral in the world and know it's the best cathedral that's ever been designed, the most beautiful. Look at it. Appreciate the fact that I just designed the most beautiful cathedral that's ever happened because I'm good at this. And then walk away and never think about it again and move on to the next thing. And to know that that's okay. It's okay that I'm good at this. It's, it's, I can enjoy the fact that God has made me to be good at this and I was good at that. And what I, what I sense as I read through this question is that um, you like praying and you like serving people and you should give yourself a little tether to enjoy the fact that God has put those things in your heart. And if you're doing it well, you're doing it well. And there's nothing wrong with doing it well. I totally agree with Jed. You should be giving away the thing that you, to, to others that, that you want to receive yourself. And that includes you encouraging your own self. And for that to be good enough, hey, I did that. I did that well. And um, I'm happy with it. And then, and I'm telling you, it, it, the, I think a lot of Christians are afraid to do that because we think that's pride. It's not pride. It's absolutely not pride. It's just being honest about the fact that, hey, God made me to do certain things, and this is part of my gift set, and I enjoy that. It gives me pleasure. It gives me life to be the man that God made me to be, to be the woman that God made me to be. That's a great thing. And I would suggest that you figure out what it would take to start to own the person that God made you to Amen. be and to enjoy it. Amen. Absolutely. Glenn? I agree with that. I, I you, When you when you talk about humility, uh, humility is... Uh, knowing what you bring to the table, knowing what you don't bring to the table and being clear about that. Uh, if I, if I do, if I preach well, I'll come down off the pulpit to look at these fellows and say, I think I got a hold of that one. Yep. And, uh, there are times when I really feel like I did not, and I'll come off and say, 
you know, uh, I'd really love to try that again, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I if I try to do that false humility thing of like, oh, you know, it's all just the Lord, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just making a show of acting humble, and that's uh, that's false humility, and the Bible is against it, so don't do that. Well, to, to give a quick illustration on that, I mean, a humble man says, I got up there, I got after it, I nailed it. Now, the Lord is the one who gave me the ability to do that in the first exactly place. Exactly right. So, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's many times I have to admit the best thing I, in fact, uh, I was texting this to Lee the other day, he was mentioning he liked something I'd, I had preached, and you know, I was talking about how uh, a lot of the good stuff in there occurred to me uh, just in the moment. And then afterwards, I was like, where did that even come from? And you realize, of course, that's from the Lord and stuff. So, uh, well, and the other thing, Glenn, that, you, that you've told me, I mean, a thousand times, and my boss is the same way. It's like but right before you give that message that you really got a hold of, and you know, as soon as you're done, man, I got a hold of that one. But one of the things that people don't see is be- right before you got up to get that message, you and the Lord were in a, in a private you know, conversation where you were saying, I cannot do this. Right. You're going to have to help. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and again, and that's what a humble man does is he recognizes limitations. Uh, it's not down on himself, just recognizes it. You know, here, uh, you know, I don't have all the right answers. I don't have the perfect speaking ability. I don't know all the Bible verses. I'm just one little man struggling to figure it out. And I need your help to, to bring this word. Uh, I, I'd like to ask you a question. You're saying in here that you like you know, recognition, so to speak, you like it, that adulation, you know, uh, if I do, if I obey the commandments, I want people to, to know that and, and reinforce that. If I help the homeless, I want people to notice it and congratulate me for it and whatever. Here's my question of all the people around you right now, how many of them feel the exact same way? <laughs> And here's what I'm going to try and tell you. I think it's a huge percentage of the people around you. Some of them may trend more towards a classic sort of insecurity kind of thing like what Jed's talking about. Uh, Some of them are better at hiding that. Some of them are maybe not as honest and actually humble as you are. Yeah, you're you're humble, my brother. Yeah, you're admitting it. In fact, I think the cure for you is to say this out loud to your friends, is to say, you know, I'm having a ball serving these homeless people, but you know what? Part of me does it just because I'm hoping other people will give me adulations. How sick is that, huh? And just put it out there. Say it out loud and own it because the power of it is broken yep. in that moment. Yep. You'll see how silly it is. You'll 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 know how wrong it is, and you'll feel, because here's the thing, as these guys are reflecting back to you, there's part of this that is legit. Yeah. There's part of it that you're doing something. Uh, and it is to be enjoyed. I have more fun than anybody I know doing the kind of work that you're talking about here. And um, and yet it feels good to get a certain amount of good feedback on stuff and a, and a sense of like I'm doing a decent job at what I love to do. That feels good. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that can get into some of these unpleasant areas that you're talking about here. And so uh, we need to own up to that. We need to confess that. We need to put that on front street and say – uh, you know, uh, uh, there's part of me that wants my ego struck in all of this, and I have to pull myself up and recognize that it's not about me. If you say that out loud once and own it, it loses that power forever. Everybody around you is playing the same game. That's why you feel uh, sort of this odd pressure to, to do this the way that you're doing it. And I, I would, if I could give you... I, I I want to end up on a on a positive note on this, um, uh, but I just can't because here's the this is the point that I think is the point to land on is Christians are terrible at giving uh, adulation and positive feedback to each other that's, that's really on true. on on their skills and their ability yep. in this their service. Yeah. Uh, if you happen to be in a predominantly white neighborhood in a, a predominantly white uh, church in the suburban area, you can mark that down to somewhere around zero, the quality <laughs> of uh, adulation you're going to get for serving the Lord in some sort of an extreme way. 
Um, so there's if you're looking for your ego to be stroked, it there's just you you are hoping against hope that will ever happen. It's yeah. not coming, um, and it's just as well, of course, that you don't get it. And I, I'm sure you sense that. But the 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 point is, uh, if you're if you're going to go after something that feeds your ego, you at least need to go hunting where it's more likely to happen. Um, and to recognize uh, that there is a ton of jealousy of people in the church and that there's a lot of people in the church, as I'm saying here, that feel the same way you do. In other words, you're writing a blog post and you want everybody to like it. They're writing a blog post. They want everybody to like theirs. Mm -hmm. If I like yours, then that kind of means yours is better than mine. So I'm not liking yours. So I'm not liking yours, and now we're playing a whole game. The answer to that... (laughs) is to is to pull up and recognize um as jed said let me turn this inside out yeah. i'm going to like everybody's blog i'm going to tell everybody how much there i know how much it i know how it, or i sense how it would make me feel to have that kind of adulation and congratulation from other people let me give that to other people and tell yeah. them hey you're doing awesome you're doing great and whatever um, some of that will come back to you, and that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with wanting a little bit of reciprocation on that. But you'll, you'll soon recognize that, um, that there is a power in encouraging others, but to receive um, kudos for doing something you already do, that you do well, that you already enjoy doing, that doesn't have the power to transform anything. Uh, if you're doing God's work for the kingdom, there's nothing more important and meaningful than that. It doesn't matter whether anybody knows it or not. Absolutely. All right. Thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. And remember, our Bridgebox address is missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bbly, and matt at missionusa.com to get the special link to get both for only $12. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Like gin-soaked raisins for your soul. <laughs>